It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, let's wrap up the show with Football Asia in the company of Paul Williams from the Asian Game Podcast. Evening, Paolo. Simon, Alex, how are you guys? Very good. So, Urawa Red Diamonds are the champions of Asia for the third time. An own goal from Andre Carrillo, giving the J-League outfit a 2-1 aggregate win over Al-Halal in the AFC Champions League final. Was that a deserved win over the two legs? Well, I think if you win, you probably say you deserve it. Um, Al-Halal probably had the better of the play or had more of the play, I guess I should say, across the two legs. I don't know whether they necessarily had the better of the play. Um, they dominated possession. Surprisingly, they had they still had 70% possession in the second leg at Saitama. So they did exceptionally well, but they just lacked a little bit of that cutting edge to create the chances that they needed. They created a couple, but Shusaku Nishikawa, um, the Arawa goalkeeper, was in exceptional form throughout that game, made a number of clutch saves, especially one right at the end from, from Odeon Igalo that almost sent it to extra time. But they did what they needed to do, Uraua, to, to get the job done. And as you said, yeah, Asian champions for the third time, which was remarkable because they haven't won the J-League since 2006. And yet since that time, they've now gone on and won three Asian Champions League titles. So they can get the job done on the continental stage, but still struggle domestically. Well, you're right. I mean, the last six years, they, they've really struggled. They only qualified because they won the Emperor's Cup. I mean, in going back now, they're three games behind. If they win all three, they can be top. Are they a genuine, you know, I guess, challenge for the title this year? Could they do the league continental double? It'll be it'll be a challenge for them because they're going to have Champions League again at the back end of next season as well because they've qualified for next season's Champions League. They go into the preliminary playoffs for that so they'll have some extra fixture congestion at the end of the league whether they've still got the the depth in the squad that they need to really contend for a title remains to be seen but certainly the the start they've made to life under Mashia Scorcher has been super impressive I don't think anyone really expected much of Urawa this season it was expected to probably be another transition year for them but after losing their first two games they're now 13 games undefeated in all competitions. They've really built this momentum behind them. As you said, they've got three games to catch up, which if they win, all three will put them, uh, if not top, at least equal top, I think it is, with with Vissel Corbe. So they've certainly put themselves in contention. Um, I guess it'll depend on, as I said, they might not have the greatest squad depth, so they probably need to keep their players fit, not get many injuries or suspensions and the like. But momentum's big in Japan, and they've got it right behind them at the moment. So you can never rule them out. Now, we need to talk about the big story that is emerging at the moment over the last few hours. AFP, which is a respected uh, news reporting outlet, uh, says that the deal to take Leo Messi to Saudi Arabia is done, or at least close to it. And they say they've got good sources. Well, they would do, wouldn't they? (laughs) Um, If he goes to Saudi, which club will it be? Uh, and what impact will that have with both him and Cristiano Ronaldo both playing in the Saudi Pro League, not just in Saudi Arabia, but across the continent of Asia, do you think? It will be huge. There will have not been a signing like this, probably in world football, if you think about it. I mean, Lionel Messi is 
he may not have won the, the Ballon d'Or and that, but he's he's still probably the best football player on the planet at the moment. We saw what he was able to achieve at the World Cup. So to get him to Saudi Arabia for absolutely stupid money, it has to be said, is still an enormous achievement for that country to get him there. What it means, he'll play for Al-Halal. That's, um, that's absolutely certain. So the, the Riyadh derby next year uh, or next season is going to be absolutely fierce. I'm sure... Ronaldo will absolutely hate playing second fiddle um, <laughs> to uh, to Leo Messi. That's not going to do his ego any good whatsoever. But it it it's going to be huge because, as I said, he will play. And you, you assume the reports are correct. I've had people that I know in that part of the world that say um, similar things as well. Al Halal are going to be in the Champions League. Al Nasser look like they may qualify for the Champions League as well next season. So all of a sudden, in the Champions League next season, you're going to have Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. There's reports I saw it was the was it the Spanish TV channel El Chingrito, the the Barcelona channel reported that Jordi Alba and um, and Busquets are going to go with him as well potentially to Al Halal. Um, an offer is going to be made to Marco Verratti as well, the Italian international, to join him wow. at Al Halal. They're big. They're forming this Galacticos Real Madrid style. Um, team around around Lionel Messi. Um, I expect you know most of their foreign players are already going to depart, which is probably going to happen anyway. But Hilal are doing that. Al Nasser's got Cristiano Ronaldo. They're linked to getting other players in as well. Al Ittihad look like they'll be champions. They won't want to miss out. We've seen this before in China. What effectively the arms race can do. Um, and now we're seeing it in, in Saudi Arabia as well, but probably at a far higher level than anything we ever saw in China, because we're talking about, you know, some of the absolute best footballers on the planet. So we'll wait and see if it's confirmed, but as you said, AFP's very reputable source and it's kind of the first real reputable international source that's, um, that's gone with this news. So yeah, watch this space over the, uh, the next couple of days, couple of weeks. Now, listen, Paolo, you get onto your Asian contacts because the AFC Champions League is about to be restructured and we need to do away with these zones, West and East, because we need the, the possibility of an Australian club facing Al Halal and Al Nasser in the group stage of the Champions League. We need Messi and Ronaldo over here. Now, that would, now that would be nice. Yeah. Um, of course, the, the Champions League, which does start up again in a few months, it's the last of the sort of original format as we know it, as we speak. But in 2024, 25, and whether Messi and Ronaldo are still around by then and whether they qualify, you assume Halal and, and Nasser probably will. It is going to be reformed and it is going to be restructured. East and West will meet in the knockout stages. It's natural that they probably don't meet in, in the group stage. But from the quarterfinal stage onwards, they are going to mix East and West again. So there's the potential if an Australian club can make it through to a quarterfinal, then there is the possibility of a matchup with one of Messi or Ronaldo wow. as well. So it's going to be tantalising. And Beautiful. Of, of course, if, if they go and get them, I don't think this is going to be the end of it either. This mm. They've got enormous ambitions to become one of the best leagues in the world. So they're not going to stop with just getting Messi and Ronaldo. This will be something that will continue on in the future as well, I think. Well, there's plenty of money, so they won't, uh, <laughs> they won't find it hard. Paul, the, uh, the Asian Cup group draw will uh, take place in Doha on Thursday evening Australian time. Uh, Australia, obviously, one of the top seeds. Um, I mean, looking ahead to that draw, what is the best and worst case scenario for our boys? Mm. Well, it depends on, on which way you look at it. There's a, a number of best and worst case scenarios. As you said, we're in 
in pot one. So thankfully we missed the likes of Japan, Iran, Korea, Saudi Arabia, Qatar as well, the, the host nation. But you look in, in pot two, you probably wouldn't want to draw someone like Iraq or Uzbekistan, who we've spoken about a number of times, uh, a nation and teams on the rise under new coaches. So you probably want to avoid those at all costs. In pot three, you got teams like Syria, who have troubled us in the past, maybe not be... Um, the team that they have been in the past, but Omar Kribin and Omar Al Soma are back in terrific form at club level um, and they're back in the national team as well. So that would be dangerous. You'd probably want to avoid them as well. And there's a real banana skin that exists in pop four remarkably. I can't believe they're down that far. And that's Thailand. Um, we've, we've seen what Thai football has been able to do over the last half decade to a decade and, and take great strides forward. We've seen Australia struggle against Thailand in the past as well. And they exist in, in pot four. So they'd be a, a real banana skin that you'd uh, want to avoid um, if you can. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens on Thursday night when the draw takes place. So the group of death is Iraq, Syria and Thailand. We don't want that <laughs> in the group stage. Uh, final one, Paolo. Uh, a few titles have been decided across the continent. Uh, Shabab Al-Akhli have won the UAE competition. And Alda Hale won the league in Qatar. Probably no surprise. Uh, Michael Olunga, their top goal scorer, he got 22 goals in 22 games. But I, I just noticed the name, and I think I might have asked you this question before, of Al Moaz Ali, who scored in their final day win to, to clinch the title. Now, we remember that name, of course, uh, from the Asian Cup in 2019, where he won the Golden Boot with nine goals. But he, he seems to have sort of vanished off the radar. I noticed he's only scored four goals all season. So what's happened to him? Is he the modern-day Omar Abdul Rahman that everybody raved about and then he just vanishes? Uh, it's turning out to be a little bit like that. He's always been more prolific at, at international level than he has been at club level because he plays a different role at club level. Of course, he's always been the focal point with the national team, with Qatar. At club level, he's got someone like Michael Alunga to compete with up front. So he generally plays more out wide, almost as a winger, um, so to speak. So he, he's not as prolific for his club as he is with his national team. Of course, he missed the first half of the season as well because Qatar was in that never-ending camp in the build-up to um, the World Cup as well. So he only really played half a season. So what's that? Probably 10 or 11 games he, he got to play. Mm. Um, and as you said, scored four goals. So when you put it like that, it's it's not the worst return. But yeah, it, it, it's not... He certainly hasn't shown the form, especially at the World Cup and over the last couple of years at club level, that we thought he would um, when he um, dominated that Asian Cup Absolutely. five years ago now. Yeah. Uh, Paul, as ever, brilliant insights. Love chatting Asian football every week. We'll uh, do it again next week. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Paul. Cheers, guys.